thinking about was it fucking Boo Boo Stewart? That guy's name that <laughs> girlfriend was talking about, like oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the guy from uh, uh, from Twilight or whatever. It's just a. I don't know. It's it's it's. What would you would you be fine with being known for like a background shirtless guy <laughs> my name in sake. Twilight and also Jafar's son from The Descendants? Yeah, I mean, I both know. are extremely depends. popular. Like, it's... I guess it depends on the, the the real world payout of that. Like, what do you? I, I not know. in terms of money, but like, well, he's like are you remembered fine. I mean, the des- the Descendants is like I would say it's not it's not the same thing as High School Musical, but it is like. As big as High School Musical was when we were younger. Right. Because, like, there's three films. And, like, the third film even had that in memoriam for uh, Cameron, who plays one of the characters in that, who tragically passed away, like, right before that movie oh, came yeah. out. But I don't I don't know. Like, it's... I, I guess, honestly, I would probably take the name Boo Boo Stewart. If, <laughs> especially if I looked like him. Like, he... Yeah, I mean, he's I would, got the looks fun. to pull it off. Absolutely. And the hair, too. Like, I, I thought that was a wig and Descendants. No, that's well, definitely his hair. That what is was he hair. doing at the Captain Marvel premiere? Well, he's Disney. He's a Disney oh, guy. Yeah, I yeah. guess he could show up there. I don't know. Was maybe he, he's a, He looked kind of like the guy who plays little, like, teenage angsty Aquaman in that flashback sequence oh oh no he's a better actor than him <laughs> we we will have to Are get you saying they killed my mother <laughs> they, they they executed her they oh executed? my god that, Willem I, is just doing his i really hope best. i really hope people haven't found him and tried to like do the same thing they did for jake lloyd when he was in phantom menace because i don't want that to happen to any kid that kid doesn't deserve to get shit on yeah. For a bad, for a bad performance. I mean, every great actor. I don't, I'm not saying he's a great actor or saying he's a bad actor, but even some of the best actors have had like shitty performances. Well, yeah, and I don't. I frankly, I don't think Aquaman has the like tenacity in its fan base of like, would, Star Wars that's yeah. gonna like rip on some random kid playing. Oh, a bit especially role. when you're the guy that's leading the franchise is mainly leading the franchise because of his looks and charisma. Yeah. Well, like it's like you, almost, like, you almost can't rip on the, the teenage Aquaman because you know what he grows up to be. And yeah. Like, he, oh, he, Jason Momoa. Yeah. I'm not going to mess with Jason He Momoa. grows up to be my man. My I'm man. Or whatever he does. Just <laughs> yeah. Like, go, that be. I guess we should start now. We're like two and a half minutes. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> We've yeah, been yeah. talking yeah. about Boo Boo Stewart. You is, know what? It's a, if, it's a learning curve. Yeah. We and will if, figure and it in all honesty, if Boo Boo Stewart is listening, he is more than welcome to show up at any time oh, when Boo-Boo we Stewart, get further. We would love to have you. Uh, we love to have anyone because, uh, hello, this is the start of a new podcast. <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, and after that conversation has nothing to do with today's co- like <laughs> talk. It's nothing to do with the film, but... Uh, that's what we call a cold open. Yeah, the non sequitur, some people would, you know, <laughs> call it. But uh, this is Odd Trilogies, and um, this is number one, so it would be a horrible podcast if we did not explain what Odd Trilogies would be. So, right. so, the, so yeah, maybe, maybe let's let's go into a little bit what, what odd, yeah. odd Trilogies means, what we're trying to do with this podcast, mm-hmm. the kind of things we're trying to cover. Yeah. And this is, you know, ultimately kind of your brainchild. Um, yeah, that was well. That was the thing is like odd trilogies. I've been trying to think the way to say it is like odd trilogies is to us a podcast that's going to be about taking a trilogy of films, whether they're tied by number, by thematic elements, or just by a similar cast and crew, and then just talking about the oddities surrounding them, as well as just talking about their quality, the film itself, and just talking about kind of like its presence after it came out, like its critical review, or maybe how fans treated it, because like. 
I mean, one of the things why I thought about odd trilogies and is just in general movies are just fucking weird. Like we don't really talk <laughs> about how like regardless of like I'm not even talking about like indie films. Like right. I'm not talking about like Gaspar No or David Lynch type films. I'm talking about like one of the biggest blockbusters of all time. One of the biggest plot points is trying not to fuck his mom. Like Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. Like there's just weird. There were like he, and we just take it. Yeah, we yeah. It's, it. We just accept weird shit in blockbusters like that. I mean, Star Wars is just overall weird and odd as shit from yeah. the get go. And like, yeah, we kind of forget that there's like an almost incest arc in oh my, Star Wars yeah, as well. Yeah, because at the time they didn't. They didn't plan. They didn't plan them to be siblings initially, but here they are. And so, like, I thought Odd Trilogies would be fun because we could talk about stuff, I mean, that we love, stuff that we've always wanted to talk about just in general, or stuff we just haven't seen before because... I mean, we can be honest. I I came to you with this idea drunk. Uh, Not very drunk, but I was definitely... Because like, I wanted to Creative do, drama. I wanted to do a podcast together, and mm-hmm. like that night, I had all these different ideas. And then, of course, alcohol just makes you more bolder. And just like I had one idea in particular that I just had to get off my chest. <laughs> and like I told you that, and I remember, I remember specifically telling you that, and you were very, you were hesitant. You were, you were kind of like, yeah. I, I don't know which, I don't know how many odd trilogies there were. Yeah. And then like two days later, I went. He's right. Maybe I should write down how many odd trilogies I can think of off the top of my head. And then you text me this picture of a paper list, like a college ruled paper. Yeah, of like sixty I, different I, trilogies, and I'm like, oh, I took a, a lot too. I took out a loose leaf piece of paper and filled both sides with just <laughs> shit that I came up with. Yeah. And, I, and then I sent it to you, and then like there was silence for a few minutes, and you were like, oh damn, there is enough here <laughs> to like. And and I mean, with that. Uh, do you want to get us? Do you want to get everybody into the first trilogy? Or well, I, before we move forward, uh, something I did realize: we never, uh, since these people are just hearing voices, so we should probably specify. I'm Andy. You're Logan. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm Logan. So watch <laughs> for the people who don't hang out with us enough to differentiate <laughs> our voices. Um, oh fucking shit! I forgot about that. Um, I, I was we were so casually talking, no. and I just didn't think about. Yeah, I'm Logan. So and I'm Andy Carr, and this is Odd Trilogies. Yes. Um, I guess just one other kind of comment regarding, you know, the origin of this this project. Um, you know, I, I think film is such a... You were saying, you know, movies, even the biggest movies are, like, super weird. Yeah. And uh, have a lot of weird things about them. And I just love how connective movies are, you know, at least if you're looking at, you know, Hollywood or, you know, Western oh, yeah. cinema. Yeah. How, you know, I mean, it's almost like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like... yeah. You know, Every film, you can kind of leapfrog to another mm-hmm. film just by looking at the cast or the crew or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of a goal with this is not so much just to talk about, like, literal trilogies, you know, Star Wars or Batman or Spider-Man or whatever, but, you know, m- movies that have, like you said, kind of a thematic or a behind-the-scenes connection and kind of exploring that relationship that movies have with each other just by being products of the same industry yeah, no, it's, it's, this is almost kind of an experiment in like you know how crisscrossed the film mm-hmm. industry is and how how it's it's a mir- how much of a miracle a movie is to get made half oh, the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just, you'll see that in a lot of these movies we talk about. It's just like how did somebody conceive this? How did somebody make three movies out of this? Mm-hmm. How did somebody have? three yeah. similar enough movies to communicate that all got made and now we can sit around and talk about like they're one mm-hmm. thing even though they were never meant to be that. 
or like how three films are just tied by history or just by like people who are very similar. Right, right. I mean, just like little less th- less literal connections yeah. and more kind of like yeah. And we and we we both love films. We we try our best to review films as much as we can mm-hmm. locally on a on a website, but like. We, we don't get the chance as much or, you know, due to a current thing you may have heard of called the pandemic. It's made uh, newer films kind of difficult to find or at least newer, bigger stuff. And yeah. I just thought since we, we both love films and we both love to find new angles on things, especially new things that we like, because it's yeah. we don't want to be as we don't want to be entirely redundant on like. Like, I don't know if we're going to really talk about, like, Star Wars prequels. Like, certain trilogies that sure, are definitely certain. odd, we could talk about later, but, like, those right. have kind of been done to death. Yeah, like, we kind of want to talk. Just, we're not going to find anything new in exploring them. Yeah, so it's, it'd, be, it'd be much more fun to just talk about stuff that, like, people have heard about and maybe not have thought of for a while, or maybe just things that people have never heard of. Mm-hmm. But today we are definitely talking about something that most people have heard of, especially since... At least by now, yeah. Yeah, because uh, do you want to tell them what the first trilogy is? I mean, the title uh, will give it away, but we might as well just, like, you know... Yeah, our, our first sense. trilogy is uh, one that actually has its final, well, probably final entry <laughs> coming out next week. We're talking about yeah. Bill and Ted, the, yeah. uh, the, the trilogy, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which, which started it all off, and that's what we'll be talking about today, mm-hmm. and... Um, Next week we've got Bill and Ted face the music. Yes, the yes. Long. So, so as we're yeah. as we're recording this, next week will be the VOD in in theater release <laughs> of uh, Bill and Ted face the music, the trilogy ender. That honestly is a part of a series that I think never thought would ever get a second film, yeah. let alone. I mean, like it was it was interesting looking up, like telling you about the oral history of the series and how like. Bill S. Preston himself said at one point that he just never thought the film would get out because right. of the production company who gave them the money went under during post-production. So they're like, I just never thought this film would get, let alone get as like uh, recognizable and as big into pop yeah. culture in that era. And so, yeah, today we we are doing 1989's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because, I mean, number one, that's just a good trilogy in terms yeah. of just like, what? What the hell was this supposed to... Like, this it was never meant to be well, a trilogy, so it's odd just in definition because it was... Right. They kind of have to make it work as it goes. Well, and I and, think a lot of people don't even know of it as a series. People just... A lot of oh, people, yeah. like like me for a while, just think about, you know, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, it's yeah. this classic cult film from the late 80s with yeah. young Keanu, dude, and uh, George Carlin. And it's, that's the thing, too, is we consider it cult, but, like, I think at the time, we'll get to it no, later, yeah, yeah. the box office was, like, so much bigger. It just, like, it just yeah. hit a nerve at the time. And it was also at the tail end of the 80s. Yeah. Like, when I think of this film, I do not think that we were on the cusp of, like, grunge or, like, the, the right into the 90s. I didn't expect... You I didn't, can't really tell in that yeah, movie. Yeah, like, this film kind of felt like, oh, this probably is, like, a year or two after... Uh, Back to the Future, yeah. which apparently when they initially filmed this, it was 87. Okay. And then, like, they had issues with Post, and it did, they didn't get to release it until 89. Oh, so, okay. I didn't realize it was such a long production mm-hmm. or yeah, post-production. It was, oh, apparently, uh, we will get to it later, but there is a specific scene in this film where Napoleon Bonaparte, the historical figure, in case you do not know what Bill and Ted is, we will get into what that means. <laughs> yeah. He goes to a water park called Waterloo, because of course he does. 
and uh, apparently they couldn't shut down the entire park. So, so every everyone it. who was in frame were paid extras, <laughs> and if you see people in the far off, they are actual paid customers that Shoot. were just told the film was being shot. But uh, yeah, do you how do you want to do the plot synopsis? Like, how would you dis- how would you uh, tell this film? Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think the the people who know of oh, Bill yeah. and Ted or know what it is, even if they haven't seen it, the, the things that have carried over most from Bill and Ted, like in terms of its cultural influence, mm-hmm. are the like. The air guitaring yes. accompanied by actual guitar sounds because yeah. that that's kind and of and it's in the in the in the uh, the words the gosh the language there it oh, is oh yeah yeah the there, most yeah. excellent yeah. most anus uh, that uh, sort of thing apparently that was a big thing too when they I think the director let me see uh, his his name is Stephen Herrick yeah Stephen Herrick oh yeah he uh, when they were shopping around the film studios were like people don't talk like this, do they? Like, yeah. they were like, kids Kids don't say this, right? Like, there's no way. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, even if they didn't at the time, like, because again, I, I guess we should also elaborate that we are both 90s babies. Right. So this film came out several years before we were born. So like, when we got to see this, like, I'm pretty sure the first time I ever saw this film was, again, like, 2 p.m. on HBO. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just, like, on TV, and, like, maybe it was a Saturday, and, like, I had... Because I had seen the second one first, and then, like, later on, I was like, oh, so this must be the first movie <laughs> that I just yeah. got to watch that, and I was like... Because this isn't, like, a this isn't a big hit in my family. Like, this isn't, no, like, this isn't... It's... Like, to me, my family, every time I bring up Bill and Ted, my dad's like... Bill and Ted, like, oh yeah, I was like, oh, that's right, oh, yeah, 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 oh like, yeah, the Waterloo, thing. yo, they they know of, oh, they the know, guitars. they know of it well, but it's not like it's not a like, part of yeah. their yeah, in my in my family, it's not like it's not like it's there's Greece, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, <laughs> like there is, it's it's very much like that is a film that is a product of its time, and both my parents were just like, yeah, that happened, yeah. Well, they weren't and, huge film. They weren't huge fans of that film. Yeah, well, and as you kind of alluded to earlier, Bill and Ted being kind of a you know a smash hit at the time it still hasn't it hasn't hung with pop culture the way like a wayne's world or like a no you know, something, something yeah has. so i think but i do it's th- something that we kind of forget yeah. about i mean i haven't we we you and me don't no. but it's something that culturally yeah. has kind of faded into the the backs of our subconsciouses and yeah. so like you know when they announce a third one like Keanu Reeves isn't playing John Wick this time. Yeah. Oh, he's he's playing this this dumb stoner he played in the, in the eighties yeah. and nineties. The other thing too is like I do think I think the director even says it in like I think a Hollywood the Hollywood Reporter one that I read that talks about the thirtieth year anniversary. I think Steven said like he's like to me personally I don't think if there wasn't a Bill and Ted they wouldn't have given studios the the strength to give a Wayne's World oh no for or sure. like it's a dude a or a Wayne's dude World. where's my car which is really yeah. like them trying to do a two thousands kind of interpretation of <laughs> right like what do we do like a Bill and Ted type scenario yeah. but with you know Ashton Kutcher or just something yeah. like that where no. it's like because there's there's I don't know like I guess we should just get into the synopsis sure. because. Uh, it's so, it's always so. it's always fun to talk about. The, Bill and Ted's one of those films where it's like if someone asked me like explain the plot like I like my girlfriend last night asked me like oh what is it she had never seen these films yeah. and I had I hesitated for a second because I was like what exactly do I do I tell like so like basically yeah, the premise is away? the yeah. premises is like two airheads who are about to fail their history class. Well, and 
flunk out of high school. Yeah, yeah. They, this one class is what's going to lead them to flunk out of high school. It's this one history from class. the start. Yeah, it's that's the thing. We'll get to that later. But like, it is just like the premise is basically these two airheads who want to start a band together yet do not know how to play instruments. Yeah. Called Wild Stallions. Uh, the two characters, Bill S. Preston Esquire and Theodore Logan, played by Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, respectively. Yeah. <laughs> They are two airheads who basically are on the cusp of flunking out of high school mm-hmm. unless they create a history project for their final the next day. Right. So they and, have, they yeah. have basically while, 24 hours yeah. to save their high school yeah. education. And while they have absolutely no idea what the fuck it's going to be about, as they're outside of a gas station, mm-hmm. a phone booth shows up out of nowhere with a time-traveling George Carlin, mm-hmm. the late, great George Carlin, as Rufus. Rufus the time Who basically, I, I mean, this is going to be not verbatim, but, like, paraphrase. He basically says, like, gentlemen, if you want to f- ace this final, you're going to have to go through time and just, like, yeah. basically well, nab historical figures to help you with your projects. Right, so it's the, it's this time-jumping, time time-travel romp through history of these two, basically how these two stoners would interact with like history's greatest figures. Oh yeah, it's it's um, they never. It's like a night at the museum, except Ben Stiller <laughs> is two teenage idiots. Yeah, what's great too is the film never alludes to them being stoners, never says no. stoners, right? Or even like it's even more of in their yeah. in their characteristics, which is They're... so weird because like I that that's how I would have told people before we rewatched the film that it's like oh two stoners go back in time, yeah. but there's not even a hint no, of not even weed in the film. Yeah, not even Ted's like uptight police dad even like thinks he's smoking the reefer right, or says like... a line like that. Like it's they're yeah. just two idiots or they're just two yeah, like two, very well, they're, they're... They're rock nuts. They're yeah. like metal, almost, you know, kind of 80s metal heads, kind of that trope of like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to start a band. We're yeah. going to be the best in the world. Yeah. You know, it's something that's later kind of even further parodied by like Tenacious D, yes. uh, Jack Black's yeah. band. And, uh, oh, and Kyle Gass. Don't leave him out of that. Well, right, but people, <laughs> yeah, people I know, I know. Jack, I, know. <laughs> um, I was like, no, you we, of all we, people <laughs> should give Kyle Gass. We love Kyle Gass, Cage, Rage deserves. Cage. Um, uh, no, but but the it's employing a trope that kind of maybe even after that movie, due to like Wayne's World and other kinds of movies, we tend to associate with the stoner trope yeah. in movies. So I think they get kind of retroactively attributed the stoner. Yeah, yeah, because they have they have the uh, stereotypical characteristics of that. Yeah, but basically, yes. In short, it's a movie about these two uh, kind of music obsessed high school idiots trying to save their high school education through a time travel history project. And that is a it's it's a decent chunk of the film. It's, yeah, oh, it's it's, it's very it. yeah it's it's most of the film but it's like so surprising how like quickly they get like once they get like a feel of like oh so this is how we time travel they just basically like <laughs> kidnap don't... historical figures in less than a minute well yeah they and just it's, like it's kind of a genius stroke to have these two you know numbskulls doing this because they're not going to question a thing like somebody yeah. tells them oh you can time travel oh you can save your grade by <laughs> going and talking to these people they're just like immediately oh napoleon that yeah. short dead dude yeah we can kidnap him and put him in our history project <laughs> caesar's not a salad dressing like that's <laughs> yeah. well that's what i think that was the biggest thing i took away when we rewatched it recently is this is probably the only time travel film that i've seen that brazenly just does not give a shit about its logic 
Where it's yeah. like, you don't have Rufus being like, now, gentlemen, if you do not return these characters, like, you can't do this with these characters, like, because they'll fuck up their timelines. Like, yeah. there's a whole scene in the film later on where, like, so, like, we brought up earlier that Napoleon goes to a water a water slide park called Waterloo. And he uses that in order to set up, like, a war effort. Like, he has, like, a strategy page of, like, I think how to take over Russia. <laughs> I don't remember which where which uh, country it is when he tries it, but like he has a, I think an actual historical fight that Napoleon's in historical right. a battle, and he's using water slides like as a way to get around things. Like he wants to build water slides when he goes back, and you feel like in most time travel films they'd be like, no, that's bad. Like you can't do that because like Napoleon's never not going to try and build water slides. It'll probably fuck up the timeline. Right. No, this movie does not care. This movie yeah. is almost like this movie knows, like, these two characters are never going to ask questions to the point where just mm-hmm. the audience is never going to. Like, right. in, in all honesty, anyone with any kind of, like, real, like, anyone who has a, a lick of intelligence would probably be like, okay, but why is flunking my history class going to completely get out of school? But it's like, it doesn't matter. These yeah. two guys completely believe it. You have to completely believe it, too. And that's why it's so, like, because I think of, like, how Looper, did like the 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 scary version of like the Back to the Future type mm-hmm. like fading into nothingness yeah, and, like yeah, even yeah. Back to you the Future can affect your present yeah. by affecting your like Back past to the Future kind of... four years prior did like what most people think of in terms of like uh, you know not doing what you should not do when you time travel and stuff right. like that it's it's generally been the cool thing throughout you know time travel mm-hmm. movies in the last three or four decades even to like either acknowledge all of the obstacles to time travel and yeah. be like we can't do this we can't yeah. do this or we'll ruin it or like come up with some new clever loophole to get around it yeah you know I mean even even something as recent and kind of simple in its time travel as like Avengers Endgame you know they establish early on like this is our own logic for time travel we're yeah. gonna do our own thing so mm-hmm. none of your rules that you guys are gonna complain yeah. about apply to us Bill and Ted, they don't, they don't even bother with that. They're just yeah. like, we are going to it's, exploit every obvious loophole of time travel that logically doesn't make sense if yeah. you think about it too much. But we're just going to use it because it works, because these guys are idiots, and this movie... Yeah, like the... like one of the, It's pervaded the, by that kind of idiocracy. Yeah, one of the standard taboos for time travel films is do not touch yourself from a past <laughs> time. And they literally get so close to each other, they're like... The, the the only way that they go across with Rufus's plan to go back in time is that as they're talking to Rufus, their future sh- selves show up, <laughs> go out and basically say like, "Listen to this dude. This dude rocks." Yeah, and it's like, and that's literally before they do any time <laughs> yeah, traveling for the audience. Yeah, it's like they don't even time travel by that point. It's like, it's almost it's it's just so weird. Because, yeah. like at this point in time, when it comes to films, it seems like time travel films are taking from three different points. They're either trying to take from Back to the Future's ideas, mm-hmm. Groundhog Day's ideas, or if they're crazy enough, Primer. And it's oh, like all yeah. these different, like you have Primer, which is like time travel to like a obnoxiously technical mm-hmm. mathematical degree that most people don't understand initially. Groundhog Day, which takes us the idea of like, you know, the only time travel is basically loops mm-hmm. to the time loops. And then Back to the Future was like the standard idea especially for like blockbuster sure right. kind of time travel well and yeah every every movie since then not every movie but you know all the all the big ones we talk about is either trying to they're either embracing you know yeah. ca- um, groundhog day or 
Back to the Future's logic on tra- time travel and using yeah. that as their rule set, or they're coming up with some specific clever yeah, way to yeah. get around it. But it's almost like a response oh, to I mean, that. Harry movie. Potter, like yeah. Prisoner of Azkaban, yeah, had like they, that. They here's either, the medallion. Here's like here's the locket that yeah. can go back in time. They're either like this is Back to the Future rules, or this is. But we've got a catch. Yeah, Bill and, and th- Ted and they, doesn't even touch that. It's, just it's like, so early on. It's yeah. like it doesn't even care. Like right, it's, it's right. just a fun. It's just a fun premise to put these two dumbasses through time, and <laughs> yeah. like, and even though it sounds like I'm like we're just like talking down to these characters, I have to say like I, like unequivocally love these two characters. Oh yeah, both in their performances and how they're written, because even though they are two, obviously two people who were not book smart in any yeah. way, they are I think emotionally smart. I think they. They are just like they they know more than they let on. There's there's a lot of or great they know moments. more than they think they do. Yes, like, that they're yeah. even aware of. Yeah, they're like they're like they're. I guess the best way to they're both on the cusp of idiot savants at times. <laughs> like there's just some great moments where it's like, so there's at one point they they go back to the old west. They get Billy the Kid because of course you do. He's their first. Yes. One. Well, yeah. no Napoleon, right? No Napoleon's on accident. So basically, what okay, happens yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they basically go back in time with Rufus. Rufus shows, like, see, old old France. And they're like, cool. And then Napoleon gets shot by a cannon and falls into the time hole. Right, and then yeah. ends up at Ted's house, which they have to ask Ted's little brother Deacon to take care of. Which is a B-plot that I would say is, is very fun just because of the commitment to Napoleon. Like, the actor who plays Napoleon as a character. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just fun to watch him, like, cheat and be, like, a little scrawny <laughs> asshole. But, like... Yeah, so like they basically get Billy the Kid from the Old West, and then they go to ancient Greece. Yeah, and then like I, I, I like our friend Adam even brought up it's like, like they're, he's they're talking a language has never been invented yet. Yeah, yeah, like they're trying to come, they're trying to talk to Socrates, which they call Socrates, which ruined my kid brain for a while on how yeah, to well, how to like say his name. Yeah, it's but, a uh, joke that definitely like <laughs> is either going to go over your head or totally yeah. confuse you as a kid because they have this, they have their, you know, they they time travel in a phone booth. And their directory for traveling through time is this phone book with basically yes. every significant it moment in great, history. Yeah, as, as in ads it. in a phone as book, which is kind of great. The yellow pages, yeah. And one of them is Socrates, but you read it on the page, and these guys, you know, who barely made their way to this point in yeah. their public education, and they read it as Socrates. Well, that's the funny thing, too, is like they first say Socrates. They say Socrates and because they they'd go... only heard it from, from somebody else. Yeah. Somebody mentioned Socrates, and he goes, Oh, we'll go find Socrates. Look in the phone book. It's under Socrates. Yes. Like, don't even make They the call connection. him Socrates until the finale, <laughs> which they use their presentation, and they call him Socrates again. It's yeah. like, so you're just fucking with me at this point. <laughs> you know how to say it. You just don't want to say yeah. it that way. Well, there's even a running uh, gag where every time they say Socrates, Socrates corrects them and goes, Socrates. Yeah, Socrates. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but what's great about that scene is, like, they're talking to a man who has no idea what they're talking yeah. about. But they use lyrics from rock songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, yeah, all we are is dust in the wind to basically philosophize right. with Socrates, and that's what gets him on board with yeah. them. It's just like picking well, up dust and yeah. going wind. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's like yeah, even if it is a little bit of a stretch, they do. You know, they pick the sand or the dust yeah. up out of Socrates' little demonstration bin and blow it out into the air, and he's like. Oh, I get these guys. These guys get me. Yeah, We're they, they play with my sand bowl. They yeah. are. They must be philosophers as well. Yeah. Um. So. Well, and that's that's a yeah. that's a recurring theme. I don't know if they don't do it with every historical figure, but 
throughout the first and second movie they keep using like they they go back to their rocker roots and they use lyrics from iconic or cliched songs i would not yeah i would just be like yeah this is how we contextualize the world around us is through these yeah because these of, because of lyrics. bogus journey their big moment where they do that is they use every rose has its thorns yeah yeah uh and every cowboy has its chance <laughs> like it's they're using which we'll get to that next week because like bogus journey is its own can of worms but like I guess if you haven't seen this film at all, we should also explain as to why Rufus gives these two airheads the time machine. Right. Because so, that's also a weird angle to this film that, like, they just throw at you immediately. Yeah. And the, you go, what? Yeah, the movie and actually drops you in in the future. 2688. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so what? Yeah, 600 years? No. Seven, it's it's six so like I assume I assume they shot in eighty seven eighty eight and so right, they they right, set so it up as six hundred seven hundred years because it's seven hundred years yeah. so it's seven hundred years in the future um, and and in basically the, Rufus explains to the audience correct you know Jordan uh, it, no no it's no, 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 Rufus no. talking to this yeah. weird kind of ambiguous it's, high council it, it's one, this, it's this, one record scratch away from being a high you're probably wondering why yeah, we got here yeah. and it's like oh okay like and this the, George Carlin's just talking to me now <laughs> it's, through so. the through the like opening credits there's this you know weird kind of ambient almost 80s version of futuristic music oh that seems so much as fun. you're watching this I kind of surreal it. geometric um you know visual yeah it's thing play out in front of you and then you realize you're in this weird kind of chamber with this ambiguous high council and they're wearing shiny foam pads and sunglasses yeah. like mm-hmm. you know an 80s per you know an 80s mm-hmm. uh, rock star's idea of a futuristic it's great, yeah. Leader, and they're talking to George Carlin as Rufus, <laughs> sending him on this mission to go retrieve or save um, their society's saviors. Because apparently, Bill and Ted's band Wild Stallions become so good that at a certain point in history, they make music that basically brings world peace yeah, and they brings end them wars yeah. and famine and poverty. They stop pollution, they stop <laughs> wars and poverty, and it gets to a point where we get to a super utopian future, all because right. of these two airheads. And that's established before we even meet Bill and Ted. Yes, like that's the thing too. Is like that's that felt like reshoots to an extent. Okay, yeah. Because like there's a part of it where like to me it almost felt like you're supposed to open up with. You're supposed to open up with that opening, like the whole like crystal coming down and whatnot. Right, right. But I didn't think you were supposed to like see Carlin initially. Like that felt like they yeah. did test screenings, and while people enjoyed it, they're like, I didn't necessarily understand why the whole future thing happened, but I liked everything else surrounding it. <laughs> and it was like, okay, so maybe we should have a scene where like Carlin kind of explains like, like basically Rufus is going back in time because. If he doesn't go back in time, time will just fuck everything up. Like that's the thing well, too. Well, like, yeah. their perfect society will cease to exist yeah. if he doesn't help them. Which means <laughs> yeah, yeah. logically that in any iteration of the There's, timeline, yeah. Rufus always had to go yes. back and rescue. That's another Bill thing their own idi- about a time idiocy. travel film where it's like. We were watching a time travel film where they don't want to do the prime universe or like the prime yeah. timeline. They want to change it to the fun timeline. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, is this what? Yeah. <laughs> that's a, again, that's another thing that makes it feel like 
it's just a fun premise for these characters, but it's not really trying yeah. to be like a great time travel film. Yeah, the movie does not. The movie almost explicitly does not want you to be too worried about oh my time God, travel yeah. and how that yeah. works and the timelines. Because you know, yeah, because because almost because almost as soon as we see like Rufus go back in time, the introduction for Bill and Ted is basically they're just two garage band dudes trying to figure yeah. out a best way to become rock stars yeah and none of the none of the options are learn how to play their instruments it's either get eddie van halen on guitar or make an awesome video yeah and like and it's not until i think the very end of the film where it's like you know man maybe we should just learn how to play <laughs> it's like okay yeah, I, I like, it took it that long for them to like think i like that. that the ultimate lesson of the film is kind of distilled down into the almost the first and last scene the first scene where they're like yeah they want to be a legendary band, but they have no idea how that even is supposed to happen. Like, they don't even consider <laughs> the fact that they yeah. need to get good. They yeah. just think, oh, we'll get Eddie Van Halen, and then we'll get a cool music video, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then the end of the movie, their lesson learned from this time-traveling history lesson mm-hmm. is, oh, maybe we should learn how to play guitar. Yeah, maybe if we want to get to, <laughs> like, that future. Because the thing, too, is, like, I think and it's wh- almost totally the lesson yeah. that they learn is almost totally disconnected from the content of the plot. Yeah. Well, what's great, which is hilarious. yeah. What's great though is like, um, and one of the, one of the aspects that I think doesn't get talked about enough, but I really enjoy too, is like they genuinely learn. Yeah, like this is not like they go back in time, they bag people, then like they 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 use those people as entirely without learning themselves. Like they. They right. know exactly like is like that's one of the best parts of the finale is uh, which we will talk about because apparently that was not supposed to happen the finale of the film oh, but okay. uh, but like at the end of the film basically after they get all of these historical figures together they do their history presentation in an auditorium and it's like this it's like a rock star concert with historical figures that like <laughs> again like it was like the lighting setup was already prepped for it yeah and, well like, and they're they're running late because it's it's like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. entire senior class is putting on these presentations yeah. in the school auditorium and of course like the teacher and the principals are there at their little table at the back of yeah. the theater Bernie Casey as their history teacher yeah. thinks they're not gonna make and it <laughs> he's like you know he's checking his watch as all the other kids are wrapping up their presentations he's like oh well school day's basically over That's... you know we're one presentation short Bill yeah. didn't show up up and literally with minutes left in the school day bill and ted show up with this a grade like it's 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 hard not to it's hard not to watch that scene and not think of like the chicago bulls michael jordan walk-in music like the bum 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 bum. (laughs) it's like this like amp hype music where it's like let's get into this sweeping uh, spotlights over the crowd it's like how did they even how could they have put this together And it's like they have all these moments where it's like they're they are telling all these facts they've learned there's like one shot i think in the film where you look at bernie casey their history teacher and he's somewhat impressed like he's like genuinely yeah. like oh my god they actually put effort into this yeah because like the whole thing is at the beginning of the film when they're in history class they obviously do not give a shit mm-hmm. and they're not trying to pay attention and it's like when their teacher is talking to them one of the best parts too is the teacher's not a bad guy in right. fact he is one of those guys that feels like he's one of those teachers who was just very plain and like listen i get it you don't think you're going to use this in your future. Good chances you probably won't, but this is a class, and mm-hmm. you need to f- pass it if you want to go out, get out of high school. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Like this, He doesn't feel or like he's a... very reasonable. Yeah, he's yeah. he's, he's not, not a bad guy, which is also yeah. one of the best parts about this film is there's no antagonist. 
Well, be, the closest thing to an antagonist is the would be tiki, Ted's, is, Ted's dad. But he's not. He's but he's like almost like just another obstacle. Like to me, sure. the the antagonist to me is the ticking time. Is like right. they only have like a certain amount of time right, to do right. this, and then like there's these obstacles that get thrown in the middle. Right. Because like you you'll see in the later you'll see in the next film when they try to bring in an antagonist and it just doesn't work as yeah, well as it does in this. As, yeah. Like in this, it just works well being like the only thing that really needs to push against our fa- our heroes is just time itself. Yeah. Because a big thing too that Rufus says, which I think is really one of the only like lore kind of time travel things they're given, is like when they leave San Dimas uh, while they're going through time, time in San Dimas is still going. Right. Because they live in San Dimas, California, and, like, Rufus is basically saying, so if your clock is not up to speed, you might come back after the presentation. Right. Which is a big, which is a plot point that comes back to bite him in the ass, because <laughs> Ted's an idiot. <laughs> like, but I think, uh, and speaking of Ted, I just gotta talk about how good both Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves are. Oh, yeah. They're perfect. Like, it's it's yeah. beyond, it's beyond insane thinking how anyone else could, because, like, apparently, I think, uh, you remember his name, yeah, Stephen Herrick said they went through, like, 200 to 300 men. Oh, wow. And, like, Keanu came in and was just, like, getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, later on they did, they were doing people to bounce off of Keanu, and then Alex Winter showed up, and right before they went in together, like, they both came in on motorcycles, they both <laughs> played bass, like, they both had a lot in common, and then when they went into the audition space, they both, like, just nailed it. Yeah. And they just kill it. Like, they, uh, they have a real innocence to them. That yeah, is like it's, it's that never, you wouldn't see from characters like this. They're they're yeah. dopey and lazy, but it's ne- it never becomes dislike like unlikable. Yeah, you're never like oh my gosh, would these guys just get their act together? I'm so this is you know this is probably the only film where it has two dudes like lustfully looking at a woman that doesn't automatically kind of gross me out a bit. Yeah, because they're just they just do it so funny and so innocently. Right. Where it's like they see it and it's almost like they can't not look. Like it's almost so primal to them that they yeah. can't stop. And then Ted goes like, it's your mom, dude. Like it just even adds. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah, kind of, not, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if I'd call it a B plot. But like kind of no, this it's, recurring it's, gag it's enough, in the it's, film. There's a reason why we're doing this trilogy first is there's just so many odd elements where it's like, yeah. oh, is it funny that like Bill's dad is married to like a woman three years older than them that they both had a crush on in high school. Yes, yeah. So so and Bill's, <laughs> Bill's stepmom is a woman who was a senior when Bill and Ted were freshmen. Yes, yeah. And is now you know running their home. She's yeah. the the domestic uh, authority. Yeah, she just likes she just Bill's likes older home. men. We find out later in the series she <laughs> yeah. just loves older men. And, it's just and her thing. Bill and Ted are just. I mean, th- there's multiple scenes where they're just you know practically drooling. Watching oh, yeah. her, and, well, then, like, and then the, every the running time... the running gag is, "Hey, Missy, I mean Mom." Like yeah. Bill has to constantly <laughs> remind himself, "Like, oh, that's my mom." Yeah, and Ted is always uh, reminding him, yeah, it's like, "You know, oh, you can't think she's hot. She's your mom, dude." Yeah, and then Bill's like, "Dude, you can't think she's hot either. She's <laughs> my, my mom, mom, dude." <laughs> but like one of the best parts is in the film, and it's again, it's a scene that I knew when we were going into it that it happens, but it still boggles my mind. So, like, basically, they're they're studying for history, their history report the next day, and they're, like, having a hard time. And, like, Bill's dad's like, here, have some money. Go get a snack and just kind of, you know, figure it out while you eat. And as they leave, Bill's dad just gives him a look 
and basically said, like, basically, <laughs> he visually just says, like, I'm going to fuck your stepmom in your room. Yeah, and then yeah, just yeah. shuts the door. Yeah, he kicks <laughs> them out of Bill's own bedroom to, you know, get it on and with it was, his And what's funny is in that wife. scene, I completely forgot that Ted's response is, oh, man, your dad's going for it in your own room. Like, it's like <laughs> Ted's, like, so excited yeah, about he's it. Like, he's, like, jabbing it more in. Yeah. And it's and it's one, that scene is also, like, I think the best way, the best scene Keanu wise for me personally because it's like that's also the scene where like he's like you remember when I was going to ask your mom to prom and then Bill like snaps at Ted <laughs> shut and up Ted, Ted and Ted just stops looks sad and then just puts on a, a goofy smile like nothing happened yeah. which apparently Stephen Herrick he calls I think it's in the Hollywood Reporter piece on the 30th anniversary mm-hmm. he says that they both had what he called puppy factor where they both were like yeah. labs gold golden labs right. he saw them as like puppies <laughs> these characters were just like Full of energy and just super goofy and willing to do whatever, yeah. and also just kind of brainless and blatant. And it's like this. Yeah, it's a good way to describe very it. Like they're dogs. very yeah. they're lovable <laughs> and earnest, and you know they yeah. they want to do good and they're yeah. trying to do the right thing. But like they're they're idiots. And they but when you see when you way. see some medieval babes, you can't help but just <laughs> go for it. Yeah, yeah. So Bill and uh, Ted when they visit medieval England. Um, yeah. So like the longest the longest time time jumps are the old west with billy the kid ancient greece with socrates and then medieval england which i think they were trying to get king henry yeah i think so because they they pop out of the phone booth and they're like oh i bet king henry lives in that castle yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's just like and then they go there and they they get nothing out of it except that they find these two beautiful i guess princesses or no, noble women babes they no, call they're, them they're, they're they call babes, them babes. Let's, right, let's, right. Call them, let's call a spade I'm, a spade they're babes <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, but they're these two beautiful medieval babes and you know <laughs> bill and ted obviously are just smitten well this thing too is like it's only ted like bill is like bill is like we got to get this done it's, and then like and then yeah. ted just like as like a, a dog looking up at like a ball coming at him like he's just like yeah but dude they're babes it's, like they could be for us we could go to prom with them like that's the thing too is like when they first, when they finally talk to the babes, it's not will you be your girlfriend? You want to yeah, go on a date? We, would you like to go to prom with us? Like yeah, it's, it's so like, innocent. They wouldn't I even love know it. what that means. Yeah, think, <laughs> it's but. like they don't even know what sex is. They just <laughs> they just know what the idea is. Like yeah. they just know the. Like, uh, it, it's, it's and just, they do successfully bring them to prom. Well, that's the thing too. We'll we'll get to that later, but. Uh, there was a scene shot. The original ending was so like the ending of this film is oh, basically yeah. they do the auditorium presentation. The they get it. Report. They get they ace the they ace the history mm-hmm. report, and then at the end of this film, they basically are just like sad in the garage because you know the history. They, they don't, don't they don't have their they medieval babe. They don't have their me- medieval babes and post history ex- presentation. They feel like they haven't really grown as much as they wanted right. to. Because, like, I think they, because at that time, they don't realize that the future that they saw middle of the film is actually a future they caused. They just kind of, they just kind of, like. They don't necessarily get to enjoy the utopia. Yeah. Or they don't get there immediately. They're almost, like, Ted's almost, like, worried that, like, they're not going to succeed on that initially. Right. And And it's, it's, well, the, the, in terms of the. Yeah, time spent on it in the film, the the kind of saving the future is almost a footnote because the whole oh, film absolutely. is they're, yeah. just, they're just trying to pass high school. They're just yeah. trying to graduate yeah. and finish their history report. That's and the the main reason they have to do that is so that they can later on save the world. Yeah, but nothing in this particular adventure yeah. that they're on is going to save the world. Yeah, and it's what so they it's, get it's done basically. I think Ted report. says like is like. I, 
I don't know if we're ready for the future that comes. Like, I don't know if we'll get to that point. Yeah. Like, that's when he says, maybe we should learn how to play. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah, where yeah. it's like, maybe let's be honest to ourselves. We don't know how to play. This <laughs> yeah, is awful. And that's ultimately. Well, the, apparently the original ending was basically they did their history presentation in their classroom. Okay. I don't know if the historical figures were supposed to be in there or not, or but it's basically yes, yeah, like what we learned today, like right. almost like a South Park kind of learning thing. <laughs> yeah. And then they go to prom with the medieval babes. Right. That was the initial, yeah. and then like I think the director and I even think Winter and Keanu and even the writers mm-hmm. were like, this doesn't feel right. Like we could do better, and that's when the auditorium uh, presentation Scene, comes yeah. on, which is infinitely better than going back to like a right. small room with like nine other people well, and trying surely, to do that surely that had to be an inspiration for like the finale of like school of rock i would have because it feels so but similar but what's also great too is the auditorium ending is so much better because it shows their presence as a, a stage presence oh yeah and so yeah, it's yeah. like at so this, you at this kind of yeah. put together how yeah. maybe down the line they would it's almost like a, rock it's stars. almost like an origin story kind yeah. of where it's like you can finally see oh that's why they're, these guys yeah. could actually they're not the saviors of the world until yeah. you see them kind yeah. of at the end and you're like oh there like they're it trying is. to sell all these high school kids who were just told they could leave early <laughs> to stay for another ten minutes to hear their presentation yeah. and by the end and of they it, sell it to them beyond 100 yeah. percent like they're all but yeah like, by the end of it the the. You, don't they put the lighters up in the yeah, air? They the put students it, all put yeah. up their lighters. It's <laughs> they, like, they put up the lighters. And, oh, it's just, it's just so good. It's, it, this yeah. definitely, I think Alice Winter says it best. And I think it's either the Guardian re- review of the 30th anniversary or Hollywood Reporter. It's one of those two where he says, like, this movie just, like, shouldn't have worked. Like, it's just, like, there's so many times where it felt like it wasn't going to happen or, or like, click yeah. as well as they wanted it to. But it clicked immediately it was yeah. like a perfect it, it clicked really well with everybody who saw it and i think i'm so glad that it worked honestly because I, I think it's i think it's well shot i yeah, think it's, it's pretty it's uh, a pretty good looking movie for, yeah for you know just kind of a on yeah. the surface a dumb you yeah know, comedy romp and i and i noticed weird. the difference between this one and then bogus journey the next one yeah. where it's like bonus journey obviously has more money but I prefer the look of the first film. Well, I think, like, yeah, the biggest the biggest improvement visually in the second one, which we'll get into is more the next, is the, yeah, the yeah. set design, the yeah. art direction. But that's, again, because they have more money to play with. It was a but different like, kind of premise. Yeah, it's if, like, if we're looking at just the camera work, I yeah, kind of cause I for this like one, the they, first one better. Because for this one, they can't veer off into the abstract as much because they're going back <laughs> oh, to... Oh, they eventually oh, they ab- They're absolutely going to go to the abstract. <laughs> but like in this one, it's like... It's, they they have to show ancient Greece. They have to show yeah. what the old West looks like, and they we have ideas like culturally what those look like, right? Well, and so and they, it's like they kind of present a uh, I don't know quintessential or you know our our typical romanticized yeah. memory of yeah. all of those places. They they keep it pretty simple, mm-hmm. um, which is good. But yeah, I mean they're they're already dealing with time travel. That's really all they can afford to cover you know mm-hmm. they can't be going into you know the abstract stuff that they do in like bogus journey but um which oh that'll be fun next week talking about that but yeah, it's just, what, but, a, what a strange because with this one this one's just an easy conversation because there's just so much good yeah it's it's, 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 it's never it's never really it never really drags it's no tight 90 it's 90 said. minutes it's yeah. like it's 90 with credits with so credits, it's like it's yeah. like it's like 86 87 minutes yeah. with credits and then the credits show, and it's like, yeah, it's just a tight 90. It's super, apparently the original film was cut at two and a half hours. What? And then they had to cut a lot. Which is why I think, 
uh, a lot of the, uh, like, because basically what happens is they get Billy the Kid, they get Socrates, they meet the medieval babes, and then, they, and then they get sent into the future. Oh, right. And then yeah. that's when they see the future. We have that scene that's, which is very quiet and very uh, visual. Yeah. Like, it's not like, there's not a lot of huge, goofy lines that happen mm-hmm. there. It's like this, it's supposed to be this beautiful moment for them where it's like, they, they, they kind of they realize see, their purpose. Yeah, they kind of realize, like, is this, is this because of us? Like, yeah, we, yeah. they don't know for certain because they're not told until the very end. Right. Um, but then after that, they basically go get more people. They, yeah. they, they basically do a montage. They pick up Sigmund Freud. They pick right. up Joan of Arc. They use a Twinkie to convince Genghis, Genghis Khan, Khan to come with yeah. them. Uh, Genghis Khan is low key. Uh, beef oven, yes. Beethoven. Beethoven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beethoven comes. Uh, who else? Is there anyone else? Our friend uh, Dave Beethoven. Yeah, that's one of the best parts. Here. It's like, and that's that's Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, well, they're, they get Abraham yeah, they're Lincoln introducing all these because they have this gaggle of historical figures yeah. with them, and they're you know obviously a sight to behold. All these people yeah. in different and, eras and of clothing. When and, they first get back to the present day, they land in Bill's backyard where Missy's hanging out. Yeah, and they have to uh, kind of introduce all these historical <laughs> figures in you know as subtle a way as they can. Of course, yeah. Bill and Ted are not subtle, are not yeah. subtle or <laughs> clever. And so then they, you know, introduce them with these kind of basic first names, same last name. Yeah. So you get, like, Dave Beethoven, and uh, I can't remember what Socrates is. But um, I think they just call. I think I thought it was Socrates Johnson or something like that. Yeah, they just yeah. like, <laughs> and like yeah, Jacob Freud or something. And yeah, then, and, and then, then they get to Abraham Lincoln, and, and they, they just, just go, like and uh, Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln. <laughs> they just they're like, they just like we're done, we're done. We're, we're and Missy does not say yeah, anything she's she just, just like she just won't stop looking at abraham lincoln because he's so old <laughs> she's like there's drinks in the fridge if you yeah, guys need anything yeah she's wearing like this fucking pink outfit with like these goofy pink head like heads yeah. like pink yeah. headset and uh <laughs> and yeah and, it's, and like during all this too it's like there's a I, I would hate to say b plot but it's more i would say a b gag with napoleon because oh, like napoleon's yeah. thing is like it's not really because well, it does, it does have, it does Napoleon have a, is not part of their yeah. gaggle. He's not part of the group yeah. that they assemble. It was an accident. He accidentally yeah. kind of falls into their but, time travel. Coincidentally, it is one of the topics they can handle in their history presentation. Yeah. So it's a good coincidence yeah. to them. Ultimately, uh, <laughs> Napoleon, after falling into kind of Bill and Ted's era, you know, the present day, um, he ends up. Well, they 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 realize that he followed them by accident, and so they stick him with. Ted's little brother? Deacon. Uh, yeah, Ted's Deacon. little brother Deacon. Yeah. And they're like, hey, Deacon. <laughs> babysit Napoleon, basically. That's the best part, too, is like, they're they're telling Ted's younger brother everything. <laughs> and he's not even making fun of them. He's no. just like letting them say whatever they want to say. Yeah. And then like, he just hangs out with Napoleon for a few hours. Yeah. And then one of my favorite scenes is, because it, it, it just makes no sense, is the scene where they... Uh, they bring all the historical figures to the mall because one of the parts of their history project is how would these historical figures see San Dimas in 89? Right. And so they basically take them to the mall and go, okay, have fun. We meet back here in like half an hour. We're going to go find Napoleon. And then they cut to uh, a chain link fence, which Bill and Ted are talking to Deacon through mm-hmm. when they find out the 
Napoleon is not there. And then they cut to a wider shot of the chain fence, and they could have just literally walked around the fence to talk to Deacon. Like, it's this weird thing. That's like, such a great why one. are they talking through the fence to Deacon when they could just talk face to face? It's it's such a silly moment. Like, the whole film. Well, it's one of those, like, there's a lot of little moments like that, but that's probably the best example of, like, the movie is lo-fi enough that, like, I can't tell if that was a deliberate gag that, yeah. that they're, that no, they're yeah. talking through the fence when there's a gap right next to it or if it was just, like, it wasn't thought yeah. out. But I love it regardless. But, yeah, it it's, works. it's a great moment that's just, yeah. like, it's this, just, this is a microcosm of that's kind of this movie and Bill and yeah. Ted themselves. Yeah. They're just kind of uh, aloof. Yeah, because, like, the whole, the whole script, I, I would love to see a version of this film or at least a video where you got, like, uh, Anthony Hopkins and like Patrick Stewart reading the script as uh, like Shakespearean like yeah. drama just to see like this this movie works so well because the script is is so stupid but knows it's stupid and the yeah. characters like Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves do not see their characters as dumb they both love these characters yeah. and so they say these words with so much authenticity so much general like general like passion. Like you just get some great lines with like you know using bodacious, most yeah. heinous, most heinous, uh, strange things are afoot at the Circle K, <laughs> like all these things that are so like yeah. silly, but work so well because everyone involved who says those lines like gives it a hundred hundred percent. Yeah, like Missy is too. Like Missy is great for being like she gets very understated, like not really funny stuff, but like. She always, when she gets like handled a weird situation, she hand she like always straight faces it and is like yeah. very nice. Yeah, it's, and it's it's, dit- it's kind of ditzy, but it's almost just adaptable. Like yeah. she's just like, oh yeah, I'll take it as it comes. You, mm-hmm. We got Abraham Lincoln in my backyard. Cool. Yeah. Even though even if she doesn't realize it's there's the also Abraham there's Lincoln. also that sight gag that gets barely talked about where Napoleon's trying to make a move on Missy. Well, Bill and Ted are trying to save historical figures. Yeah. And, like, no one talks about it, but it's just a funny gag where, like, when the guys show up, Napoleon goes away. And I think Missy side, like, eyes him. Like, nice try, asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, well, well, let's get farther into the plot where it's, like, they, they find Napoleon at Waterloo Water Park. Because, of course. Because, like, for some reason, San Dimas... It's like the home of Waterloo. Like that's the thing that people love about San Dimas yeah, because it's the water park. Because there's a joke when they go to the Old West where they're like, "Listen, guys, I know you want to beat us up, but we have two passes to Waterloo." Yeah, it's like, their Disneyland. It's their, it's their like Disneyland, their, and it's like, yeah. "Oh Jesus!" <laughs> and then like later they come back, and and when they come back to the mall, all the all the historical figures are gone and are making their mm-hmm. own chaos and being rambunctious. Like, Genghis Kong finds a mask and a bat in, like, a dick sporting goods type place and is beating the shit out of mannequins and fighting yeah. cops with skateboards. I love and... that mall montage where it's, it's just great. all of... You yeah. see each historical figure kind of gravitating toward their own interests as yeah. they're represented in 1989, mm-hmm. you know, commercial America. You see, uh, like, Genghis Khan, who's, a, you know, a, a warmonger. Yes. Goes into the sporting goods store, starts pick, like, picks up, a, picks up a baseball bat. And, and he's like, oh, this yeah. is the best club I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a skateboard? I can ride around. Yeah, he starts skateboarding like, with my baseball like a Ninja Turtle, like, yeah. jumping over people with trampolines. That scene feels so Ninja Turtles. Like, it, yeah. it reminds oh, yeah. me yeah. of the, the live-action Ninja Turtles. And then, and then Beethoven's playing on synthesizers mm-hmm. and keyboards, and, get, uh, and he gets, like, the, the whole wrap-around keyboard. Yeah. You have Joan of Arc, who, I'm sorry if you're 30 plus years old and this offends you, but 
I'm pretty sure if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure she was the lead singer of the Go Go Dolls, which was like Go-Go an eight. Dolls. I think it's Go Go or the Go Go's or oh the Go Go's. It's yeah, Go Go's. Thank Go-Go's. you, thank you. She was the lead singer I was in that. Say that. I think because uh, like I because I saw when we saw it was like yeah she's she's a babe in her own and also like she looks like somebody uh, from a band. <laughs> it's, yeah, Jane, Jane Weedland. Weedland. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's like and she and she shows up and she uh she goes to an aerobics ta- like aerobics teaching place and like basically takes over the class and <laughs> and then like Ted's dad and all the cops arrest them and take them to the police station. So like the big moment is like <laughs> Bill and Ted have to save the historical figures from the police station. And what comes from that <laughs> is one of the most bonkers, probably the most abstract part of the film. You're in talking a, about their their plans. Yes, to... it, it, in a film that's already about two stoner like people going back in time and kidnapping historical <laughs> figures, this moment in the film is just probably, in my opinion, the oddest thing about it because yeah. it's so again, just like the whole film, it's so confident in its presentation and execution that really the only way you would kind of catch like how weird it is is if you're just trying to look for it or yeah. like if it just catches you off guard. But do you want to explain what their plan is? You're talking about, like, in the police station? Yeah. Yeah. So, essentially, Bill and Ted... And this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, where, like, the film just kind of laughs in the face of, like, time travel logic. Yeah. And, and, you know, in other movies, they have to work around it because they don't want to affect the timeline or whatever. Bill and Ted just figure out that if they have a discussion, they they plan, oh, why don't we... (laughs) In the future, yeah. after this is all over, why don't we time travel back here and plant like uh, it's his his dad's keys because yeah. his dad's so there's, a, there's a, a cop a, there's and he a bit has of a... keys to the jail where yeah. all of the where all of the uh, historical figures are being held. So the, the, the gag is like early on in the film, Ted's dad thinks Ted has stolen his keys, right? And then when they get to the police station, they're just like whoa, what if we go back a few days before your dad thought you stole his keys, actually steal his keys, keys. And, then, and then we bring him back here. And then we plant him yeah. right here so outside the police station. They're making Sherlock Holmes-level like preparation. Yeah. It's where they're Batman, like, like yeah. with prep time. Well, yeah, where it's like, it's like once we do exactly what we're supposed to do, We'll come back and we'll help our past selves. And like and we're gonna they, we're gonna put the keys behind the sign. And, and then, then they, they turn just, around and grab and they're the, like, oh, there's and they the, find keys. the keys. It's, it's like, like we don't even have to we don't even get to or have yeah. to see them. You know, tra- travel. We just know they're gonna. That. It's like the film is like you know they're gonna succeed. Yeah. So let's have fun and show them how they get to that point. And it's like, and then they're like, how do they distract his dad? They have a they have a voice recorder and they're like, well, what do yeah. I say? And then you just hear out of nowhere, dad. Like Ted's recorded voice out yeah. of nowhere. We'll plant a voice recorder yeah. in his office, and you see both of them. They kind of like silently air guitar to each other that they did that, yeah. and like, uh, and then like the the best part or the silliest part is they basically get to um, the historical figures after helping each other after intervening a few more times to get them there, right. and then the, his Ted's dad comes in. He's like, it's, "What are you guys yeah. doing in here?" And then he goes, "Remember a trash can," and then the trash can just, just falls, falls from the ceiling. <laughs> Covers Ted's dad and then they escape and it's like yeah like even even time travel aside like how did Ted get a trash can up there so that it could fall on his dad like yeah. it doesn't in, matter at in that an, point. in an era in an era now where directors like the Russo brothers are aware of people like cinema sins or like yeah. people who are willing to like 
basically pick and prod at every piece of logic. This film just feels like it's trying to challenge people who do that, where it's like, oh, try and do that. Like, I yeah, give a shit. Like, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, it's like, oh, my God. Like, it's, it's so just... just almost kind of... It's almost like the antithesis of, yeah, that kind of plot hole obsessed yeah. culture that we've kind of developed, you know, largely in thanks to things like Cinema Sins, where it's yeah. like, oh, we have to pick apart this movie and figure out why it wouldn't work in real life. Which I will, I will say, and you will agree, I know you'll agree with me on this, is like, there's nothing wrong with critiquing a film. We're no, saying like, it's like this part, not. this part is a plot hole and it needs to be talked about because it's a genuine yeah. issue with the film. But there are people out there who nitpick to the point where it's like, that really isn't, that is yeah. more subjective than it is objective. And right. while you can have an issue with that, just remember that that's not an objective flaw with the film. Right. This and is like, your just opinion. because we don't see something happen or it's not explicitly explained mm-hmm. doesn't make it a experience-breaking plot hole. Oh, God, no. It's like, it's... And at a certain point, I think a thing, especially you know, a movie like Bill and Ted, Yes, it's literally chock full of plot holes. Absolutely. But it's, you know, it's it's yeah. aware of that. And it's like, it yeah. doesn't matter because this this is a this fi- is the goofy world yeah. we exist in this, in this film. This film was born from the writers in college using Bill and Ted as a stand-up bit. Right, yeah. They basically, in college, uh, looking for the names, I wrote them down. Uh, there it is. Chris Matheson and Eric Solomon. They both did this in college, and they, I think they even had a third person who was, like, the straight man oh, to yeah. the three of them, and, like, they'd turn it into a script, and I think it, it went around Hollywood for a while, and people loved it, and I think Herrick was the one who pushed it the most, mm-hmm. where, like, I want to do this, but, like, that's the premise, is it started with a stand-up bit, which is almost eerily close to how Wayne's World becomes, like, a yeah, film, well, too, it's, where it's, like, it's a bit on a Saturday Night Live, uh, Saturday Night Live and it's, yeah. like... And it's like it's make... an off-Broadway equivalent. It's an off-SNL <laughs> off yeah. movie. It's like a it's, a it's a tight five Bill and Ted bit that's turned into yeah. now three films. <laughs> yeah. uh, two comic book series where one was award-winning. I think, actually, Eisner I think... Award Best Comedy yeah, in the and, 90s. And I think the second one is award-winning too, maybe? I think it is. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's the a, same award. A, comics, but... a cartoon series that was two seasons strong. Yeah. And something that our friend Adam even brought up, he looked up... There was a live-action TV show that oh. was seven episodes strong, and it sucked. <laughs> Same? Was it, they keep it the was the, It was, no, no, oh, no, okay. no, no. Come on now. How did Keanu <laughs> No, it's, uh, they got, they got Keanu and uh, Alex Winter lookalikes, which, okay. when, when you look it up, they'll kind of look like the porn parody versions of oh, both no. characters. <laughs> it's, it's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, is what uh. it was called. And they got the writers back from uh, the movies. Like, the writers actually came back and wrote stuff for it. But uh, it's the second picture. The second and third. Actually, do the fourth picture because it's like... uh... (laughs) He actually... The guy who looks like Ted, he looks like the kid from Home Alone 3. His haircut. Yeah. well, and if, the, if the we're, bill look like he's almost yeah. like too cool. For yeah. It. Yes. He's so like, they got for, some model to do it. So for everyone who's listening right now, which if you're listening, thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but thank you. But like we're currently looking at a George Carlin look yeah, screen, <laughs> screenshots of the live action Bill and Ted show that flopped horribly for a good reason. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's this is a, this is a this was just started out as a simple stand up bit that people did, like yeah. the two writers had faith in. And it's turned into honestly, I I don't I don't know if I'd say it's one of the best films of the '80s, but when I think of like one of the easiest films I could watch, like literally oh, sure, just yeah. throw it on, 
and I could jump in at any time and be like, I know the scene almost verbatim. Or like, I know this, I know what line's coming up now. There's like only one line. There's only one part watching it this time through that like didn't really get on my nerves, but I was like, mm, I don't know why it's in here. And that's the fake out death scene. <laughs> that's yeah, the, it was so, so like, early. So like, yeah, so like, let's, let's, go, let's go back in time a little bit more to talk about okay. a medieval England. So when they're in medieval England, they see the babes. And they see that the babes are in a castle. They're trying to think about how to get into said castle. And very Looney Tunes style, they don't explain it. They're just already in the castle. Right. They and they're already in. dressed up in knights' uniforms to be in, like, in disguise. Wait, don't, don't they see knights' armor, like, on display? And no, they're, they're already they're in it. I think, I, I think they just go, like, we need to find a oh, way okay. inside. And then they just cut to an armory room where they're already <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the suits. And as they're in the suits, which is like they lead to an improv scene that's wonderful, where these two guys pretend to be Vader and Luke from Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're just, reenacting, yeah, the, yeah they're the reenacting their version fight with their medieval swords, yeah, and, armor. and they're bonking each other on the yeah. heads, and just like, and then at one point, Bill pushes Ted down the stairs, and Ted falls all the way down, yeah, and, and then out of sight. yeah, and Bill comes down, sees a dude stab the armor, thinks Ted is dead, and then we have this weird long scene. Where it's Bill like Bill is like, like mourning over yeah, Ted's loss. He's like, "Don't be dead, dude." Yeah, Bill is scared now because yeah. he's all by himself in the, in the medieval. <laughs> and then he sees the guy who stabbed him and says, "You killed Ted, you medieval dickweed." Yeah. And they go into a fight. And then Ted shows up saying, "Like, no, I slipped. I got him. I slipped out of my armor well, when Ted I fell." Ted bonks the the guard yeah. on the head, yeah. saving Bill, who was about yeah. to get killed by this guy. And, and then he, Ted's like. Yeah, I, I fell out of my armor when I hit the floor. <laughs> and the and armor, like, what? Yeah, in the early part, the armor is perfectly on the ground. So there's no way you could have fallen out. That <laughs> yeah, when, when, when Bill first goes down the stairs and sees what he thinks is Ted at the bottom of the stairs, yeah. it is a fully intact suit of armor laying on its back yeah. at the bottom yeah, of the so stairs. Like, and he's like, no, Ted's dead. <laughs> and Ted's just like, oh, I fell out of my armor. Yeah, and it leads to one of the weirdest lines. I don't want to say... Because it's 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 not a fun word now, but it is oh, like yeah. where it's like they basically just like they are both super excited to see each other, give each other hugs, and then they just go you gay, and then they just walk yeah, away. Yeah. And it's like these are two dudes who like have been have basically said at this point they don't give a shit as long as you're just a super chill person. Like right. so, it's like a weird moment where there's like ew, I'm not gay, homo, yeah. and it's like why <laughs> did they have to do that? Which is well, a joke that comes back later in the yeah. series, and it is even weirder when they use it. In the yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things like I'm, I'm willing to buy on on Bill and Ted's behalf that it's just like you know that was a word that high school dudes called yeah. each other at the time, and mm-hmm. like yeah, obviously it's not you know. There's a reason we're not saying it anymore. Yes, and that sort yes. Of but it's, it is, it's just, it is yeah. weird when it comes back around. Because doesn't it come back in the sequel? Yes, it does. It, yeah. We'll talk about that. And the way that it's and used it's like in the Bill sequel. It's to be so just easygoing. But like, in the sequel, you're not going to get any context from this because we have, we'll talk about it next week. But the evil versions of Bill and Ted are the ones that say it in oh, the sequel. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh, and it's this weird... It's yeah, this weird, of... like, where they say it maliciously yeah, to and them. It's and like, it's like, oh, these are the bad guys. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why is this the joke that has to come back from the yeah, first film? Right. But, yeah, so, like, that's, like, the only scene that, like, comes out to me is, like, it just doesn't work as well as it probably did. Because sure. as a kid, I remember just being like, ha-ha, that was funny. But now it's like... Yeah, I, I didn't mean, even it's... remember it. Really? Until we rewatched it. <laughs> That's yeah. literally one of the scenes I was kind of dreading because I couldn't remember how far they went with that. But it is just they well, say they, the yeah, word. They don't. They, don't they say it. They say the word and they just walk away. And it's like almost like you could cut that part of the scene out. 
you can yeah. still have the Luke Vader fight and him fall down the stairs yeah. and maybe do like some reshoot kind of like Ted's talking from downstairs like dude I think I found a garden and then they can cut just to them yeah. at the garden with the, you didn't have to have that scene yeah. so it's like it's of, it's, of, do, it's I, of its time sure. it's it's not meant to be malicious it's just weird now when you see yeah. it <laughs> I actually do and I don't know if I you know, I I don't entirely disagree with you that the whole scene is just kind of weird and out of place. Yeah. But I've always kind of loved the the fake out death just because it's so <laughs> obviously fake. I know. From yeah. The start. I, I get that. I, I get like, that premise. You just, I get that. You just know the instant you see Ted get stabbed, you're like, and Bill, you know, gets all serious and like, you know, screaming to the heavens over his dead friend that it's just like. Dude, we're like half an hour into this movie. <laughs> Ted is not dead. It's yeah. Keanu Reeves, um, and then just the brazen, <laughs> the, the brazen way that they bring Ted back in. He's just like, I fell out of my arm. Yeah, I just, like... it does drag a little bit. No, but, but I, 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 I get moment. the appeal still of that scene. How silly it is. It, yeah. it does fit into the movie. I'm just, I just think it's the only thing where it's like, it, it kind of is dragging a tad. Not a lot. Sure. Not but, too noticeable, but it is like, uh, out of all the jokes and the silliness. Yeah. That felt like it it could just be replaced with something else, or maybe just like. But at a tight ninety, it's not like this film is. Oh, ever really absolutely dragging. not. Even like even that scene, which I guess would be quote unquote dragging per se, it doesn't even it's really still, drag. Yeah. It's still because you're still with. I mean, they even do. I think in the shot because like once you see the 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 knight stab Ted's armor, which Bill thinks he's dead. I think it's like a wonder going back up the stairs. Oh, like it's like a, it's like a one shot where like the camera's just going up the stairs with the guy. It waits for a while and then just Bill comes out of frame yeah. and just comes back into the shot. And it's like that's kind of cool that they tried to do mm-hmm. that they they did that. And and again, it's not it's again, this is not a bad film. No, I do not think it's what? bad. No. I don't I don't think it's a perfect film, but that doesn't it's not a bad thing to not be perfect, no, especially yeah. in this this me this is a strong like 4 out of 5. Oh yeah. This is like so good all the way through it's so much fun it's one of those that like you can watch it and th- i did as a kid watch it and appreciate it just as kind of a you know a dumb bro comedy you know yeah. almost in the yeah. vein of like a, a will ferrell or a you know a you know the 80s had plenty of those i mean i but it yeah. also operates on almost this kind of ironic level above that yeah. where it's like oh we're doing time travel but we're not really you know beholding our you know being beholden to the rules of time yeah. travel storytelling and we're kind of laughing in the face of like taking this too seriously mm-hmm. and so it's yeah it is kind of genius in the way that it it is a dumb bro comedy but it's got a lot going it's, on it's smartly it's smartly don't... written and directed yeah and has a great cast behind it that like doesn't treat this as like a, a phone-in film right, everyone yeah, apparently yeah. everyone involved with this film apparently carlin took Roof is super seriously. Oh, that's awesome. Like, basically, like, from what I read, they had, like, uh, Sean Connery at some point they thought yeah. was an option. Uh, they even thought, jokingly, Eddie Van Halen at one point, <laughs> just because they made that joke. Yeah. Uh, and, like, and I think at some point, somebody who was on the production team, a producer, was working on a Carlin film and said, hey, what about Carlin? Um, and they were like, and and the, both the writers and I think even the director were like, yeah, it's fucking Carlin. Like, <laughs> we grew up listening to his stuff. Like, absolutely putting Carlin. And Carlin was like, super calm, super polite, and apparently uh, Keanu and Alex Winter bonded with him based off of politics because oh. all three of them were very politically charged. That's awesome. And it's like, it's so cool. <laughs> like yeah. that's how it happened. Yeah. And 
it's it's just all around. Like I I do think even though this film is eighties to a fucking T, yeah. I do also think in terms of entertainment wise, anybody could watch this, and I think this could still work. Even a hundred years from now, I think there could be some people who could watch this and still yeah. like relate to this and like yeah. get into it. And when I think a huge part of that is like it's not even though it is in a, on a lot of levels mm-hmm. a you know dumb kind yeah. of wide appeal comedy, it's never like cynical. It's always yeah, just like Bill and Ted. They're never you know assholes. Like they're never really bad people. Yeah, they're they, they're they dumb, love but rock. they're they're the puppy dogs. They're yeah. always trying to do They the love thing. rock, they love babes. Yeah, they love the San whole... Demas. Everyone <laughs> loves San Demas who lives in San Demas. And the whole movie and carries it's... that energy where it's yeah. just like we're just trying to have a good time. We're just yeah. trying to, you know, put these guys through a journey that'll make them better, smarter people. Which they do. They, they, they do. They, and they learn more. And it's just yeah, it, it's that kind of innocent film. I mean it's not innocent necessarily in yeah. the, the tone of all the jokes you know it's mm-hmm. it, it has a dirty streak to it but like it's never yeah over the top or no. you know grotesque in anything i mean this is i mean the first i mean by the time i had seen excellent adventure i had already seen bogus journey which that thanks to hbo yeah, that's how that happened odd trajectory yeah so like this it, both this film and its sequel bogus journey from 91 I saw Bogus Journey just on HBO because it was one of those films where it seemed like every other day it was on at like 2 p.m. <laughs> so like I the first the first time I saw the series it was the finale of the sequel. So I had no context <laughs> as to how the time well, travel and the stuff worked. For the like, sequel is kind of off is the rails. absolutely bonkers. But as a kid, I loved it. Sure. And by that time too, I had already seen like Dude, Where's My Car. Okay, so, like, when yeah. I got to Excellent Adventure, it does have that very much that vibe of just, like, a fun... And Dude, Where's My Car is also fucking weird and bonkers. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, oh, cool. So this is what it's... Like, when I saw Excellent Adventure for the first time, I think I was like, oh, this is great. Like, this is, yeah. well, this is what I'm supposed to get out of... Okay, yeah, because, like, because Bogus Journey has a weird tonal feel that is completely different yeah. from the first it, one it, of, it for the most part. clear as you're watching it that it's like, there's, there's a reason this didn't do as well yeah. or res- resound as far through there there, there are some the rips there's some rips in the wallpaper with it with the second yeah. one you can you can see yeah. some kind of noticeable flaws that like and even uh, even beyond the like flaws like the quality of it even beyond that it's just it's shifting between some really weird yeah 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 that we'll get into more next on week. the next next Which episode it'll be so but, much fun because uh, this right, yeah. the series is just a i mean I guess this is a fun series to talk yeah, about. And we, and we both are just genuinely so excited for Face the Music. At least I am. Oh, absolutely. After watching Excellent Adventure, I had never been more excited to go see a movie yeah. in my life. I may actually go to a theater. <laughs> yeah. Like, I may go to a theater for Bill and Ted. Venture three. out into the, into yeah. the death. Like, um, if you're going out to a theater this weekend to go see Evil Russell Crowe, that's all you. Good on you. But, like, I, I think just It's the, calling my name, Logan. I know it is. Unhinged just has, like... he Doesn't he have, like, a southern accent, too, in that? I think so. Oh, my God. It's it's so weird that theaters are open. <laughs> it is strange. It's a strange time oh to God. pick to reopen. Yeah. Well, regardless of whether we watch it video on demand or what you watch it in theaters we're both excited for it uh, they yeah. just actually they released a clip of it yesterday oh. and it i mean it looks it looks i'm just excited because they it's you know Kristen shawl's in it she's yep. the one that yeah, she's kind of the she plays rufus's daughter right 
named Kelly, which is actually uh, Kelly's daughter, or like Carl- or Carlin's, Carlin's daughter's daughter, name. Yeah. And That's apparently, cool. Kelly Carlin might be in the film too as like yeah. a background character. She could be but like, one of the like high council. Yeah, people. but the scene is great not only because like you have a moment where like they just say like, "Oh, we're sorry, we heard about Rufus." Like Alex plays yeah. Bill. Like they they know that he's dead. Like a in, lot, in like, their world, yeah. These events have transpired between films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. kind of cool. And they're like, but at the same time, when this is happening, their daughters are watching. Yeah. And, like, you get more of Ted's daughter, and Ted's daughter is killing Ke- young Keanu so well. Like, she she oh, has... She She's so good. She has a moment very similar to the scene where Keanu puts on that goofy smile, where she, like, she just, like, sits on a couch like young Keanu would and be like, what do we do? Like, yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's so, like, perfect where it's like, oh, my God, like, yeah. oh, we, we should... We should we, we we need to talk about the the score at some point, but I want to first get into my oh, favorite sure. my favorite personal joke of the entire film, one that I completely forgot was in the movie. What was that? Uh, so during the auditorium presentation with all the historical figures, Sigmund oh, Freud yes. is is breaking down Ted's issues. Yeah, he's got him laid where it's down basically yeah. like a therapy. Session. Yeah, where it's like. This is this should be a moment where Ted's dad is actually involved, but he really is not. Yeah. Where Sigmund Freud is basically saying like Ted's dad is so scared of failure that he's worried about his son failing to the point where he's willing to force him into stuff he doesn't want to do. Right. And because a big thing about the a big thing about them flunking is that Ted's dad's going to send Ted to military school right. in Alaska if they don't if they don't pass. And when that scene happens, you see Ted l- literally look so much better. Like he just he feels sits up. He, he goes sits up and looks almost into the camera and, just and goes, does whoa. whoa like does the Keanu whoa yeah. and then Sigmund Freud looks over to Bill and Bill in the most no, straight he goes, he goes yeah. do you would you like yeah to... and he goes no thanks man I know what my problem is a slight edible complex <laughs> and I was like what, what? <laughs> and it's like that's another moment where it's like how does this well, guy even a, know what edible is yeah it's, it kind of goes back it's into perfect. their perfect hidden like, intelligence yeah, the, yeah. The, the hidden intelligence and it's a double down yeah. on the the hot mom alex joke. alex winter's fucking execution of that line <sighs> is so perfect yeah. and it's such a throwaway line yeah like, like it just all, it's it almost cuts, drowned it out immediately cuts to the yeah. next scene but it's like what <laughs> there's yeah. no way well i guess what's your favorite funny line then well that that was definitely the one that on this viewing because i hadn't seen it in so long yeah and i didn't remember that line. i don't even know if i'd ever caught that line previously i, um, I never did that's why it caught me so off that, guard that so one was the highlight of the most recent viewing but like definitely the one growing up because my brother and i watched this movie a lot mm-hmm. the one growing up this that I does loved, scream a luke film <laughs> yeah. in the best way like yeah. i definitely could see me like um, hey andy and <laughs> uh, the the one that always stuck with me that like Luke and I would always, my brother and I would always quote was um, when Bill is mourning over Ted's body and goes, you killed Ted, you medieval dickweed. <laughs> and it's just like, I, I just love the juxtaposition, uh, yeah. like the medieval yeah. dickweed. And he's talking to this guy who can probably barely understand it. Yeah. And, yeah. What have you been here for? Like, it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. it's like, there's no way. I think oh, I, the other, the other one would be, um, when the the king catches them in the castle oh. and he goes, put them in the Iron Maiden, and they're like, Iron Maiden, excellent. <laughs> and, and go, then he goes, execute them. They're like, what? <laughs> they go bogus. Bogus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think a line that has still lasted the test of time because I think I've this might be my third or fourth time I've seen this movie. Probably fourth. My it's a, a joke that still has aged wonderfully because it perfectly fits their characters is when their future selves meet their past selves at the Circle K. <laughs> their past selves go, well, if you're us, 
what number are we thinking of? And both of them with the biggest grin on their faces they look, look at, at each, each other. other. And then, they look and then at the their... future selves look at past and go, 69, dudes! <laughs> and then they go, whoa. And as a kid, I had no idea what uh, that meant. But I, as a kid, it was funny because it was such a random number to, as a kid. Yeah. You're like, 69, why the fuck is that the word? But like, as adults, it's even funnier because you know exactly what that's supposed to be. Like, they're right. just... They're just horn dogs in that degree. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I am so excited to talk about Bogus Journey. I am so excited to uh, see that, Bill that and Ted. so off the rails. Music. And I am so excited to read the new comic or the oh, most yeah. recent comics. Uh, I think I'm. From several years ago. Yeah, yeah like it started in, I think, 2015. Because mm-hmm. I, I just want to see all my boys from Bogus Journey come back. Like. <laughs> I don't want to talk about them yet, but there's a character, characters in Bogus Journey that are just off the wall, weird that I absolutely just love. It's, yeah, they're they're scientist buddies. Yeah, <laughs> like it was one of those things where it's like, because it was funny too. We'll talk about it more in the next one, but like I was the only one who had truly seen it all the way through the sequel. Yeah, I'd never. So finished it was the movie. It was you and our friend Adam's first time, and your guys' responses were perfect because it makes sense yeah i mean as weird Uh, and kind of casually as the first film presents these kind of weird concepts of time travel and stuff and it just kind of you know throws it at you as you'll find out more next episode bogus journey just go it goes for the like you said it goes for the fences every every single time it's just going for this like this direction of weird and that direction of weird it it weirdly it weirdly plays it safe with the jokes, but when it comes to the yeah. plot points, the characters, and like what they, it, Their it just journey, goes the places. They the go. actual journey just tries to go for home runs every time, and sometimes, sometimes for it me, really it does. It yeah. does. It at least gets like you know to a double, yeah. <laughs> but like at other times, it's like maybe yeah. we'll have to think about that. But like, yeah. yeah so I think it's. I guess we're gonna we're we're still figuring out how to end this podcast. I guess sure. it's our first one, so I thought it'd be fun to just ask you, Andy, about its just critical reception and like oh, its okay, box yeah. office. So, and I might have accidentally spoiled this on Monday when we talked about when we watched the films. But how much do you think this movie was made on in '89? How much it was made on? Yeah, the budget. Um. Well, okay. So I'm I'm pretty bad with like adjusting for inflation but i would say like by today's standards somewhere like a like a low millions five to ten maybe 15 million at the most you're close i mean in the 80s yeah it was 10 million okay in 89 which i think in inflation is is, is, i think it's just double it might be i think it might it might be it might be a 20 20 million million is standard very big that's like a rom-com with like too big yeah it's like like, that's like a substantial budget for a yeah, a kind of you know a film like, without all the bells and whistles. It's yeah, tiny yeah, for yeah. like an action or superhero. Oh god, movie, a like, sci-fi time travel for, comedy. Yeah, a sci-fi, that's like insane. Yeah. That's like insane. Like the the director talks about in the like they the studio. Uh, I cannot pronounce it for the life of me, and I also can't remember. <laughs> it, but it was the it was the production company that actually made David Lynch's Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they said like we can't do ten million. Like they could, they were like, we have to do at least eight. And well, Steve and I Eric mean, and like the production were like, we we have to do ten. Like, yeah. there's no way the budgeting we could yeah. not. Well, like, I they, understand too because they I mean, shot it's... they shot most of it I think in Arizona. They shot okay. a lot of it in Arizona. They actually went to Italy in like I think France. Okay. So yeah. like they actually went to like a medieval like castle, 
Like they had like they had like crews that were local that like had no idea what they were shooting, but they yeah. thought Keanu and Alex were funny, and so they were really having a good time <laughs> working on that. But yeah, it was ten million in eighty nine, yeah. so it's probably twenty twenty five. How yeah. much do you think it made? Okay, well, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I would think because this, at least this was like, this was absolutely a hit. In order to greenlight a two years later sequel that is like double the budget, double the budget, I would think it had to like maybe like fifty million. Damn, that's actually a little bit more. Oh, it's, okay, okay. It's uh, forty. It's about forty point five. Forty point five. Okay. So it yeah, made sorry, it made four. Yeah, it made four times. Its so like, even if you say like, I this movie did not have a ten million dollar marketing budget. I would not think, especially no. especially the production company well, went back bankrupt then, I during post. I don't post. think they spent nearly as much on yeah. marketing. Anyway. So let's say like two to three million. Even yeah. then, it still yeah. made triple. <laughs> it yeah. still made more than it had any right to, which shows how much of it is a hit. Yeah, but uh, the second one's not so fortunate. Oh God, no! The second one still made money. It's just right. the the return and the well, critical the budget was so much bigger. Yeah, and the critical reception was vastly worse. Yeah. So yeah, because the first one was. I mean, it's that's not it's not just a retroactively liked film. That was a well liked film at the time. At the time, right? yeah, the original. So like it's, I it's so I looked it up. So yeah, I've got it's the like scores. Like a sixty or seventy or something. So on Rotten Tomatoes, there's eighty percent approval. Uh, a Metascore, Metascore it's, it's like 50. it's at fifty, but it's fifty with like sixteen reviews. Yeah. So like, I think that's a film that like Metacritic probably went back and like added reviews to kind of add the aggregator for like yeah. if people are looking up. Because I went to their, I went to Metacritic, and I wanted to look at the old USA Today and like, oh maybe I'll check this. There is no website. There's no page for those <laughs> they reviews. Don't even have those. It's just the, those bits are all you get of like slants and entertainment. It's like oh, all the bits you can get. Like, look, and even the Entertainment Weekly, it says 100 out of 100, delightful time travel comedy, Staff not, not credited. credited. Yeah. <laughs> like, where did you get that? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, like, I mean, critically, I think it just did well. It's it's just a fun movie. So, like, if people didn't love the movie, I think people would be, like, solid, I don't know, three out of five? Like, oh, this is a fun movie. It's, like, it's... Yeah. it's and maybe people were sick of the, like, personalities. Because it's, like, it's not like the people weren't... Like, you had, like, Spicoli... Right. Uh, or like uh, Sean Penn's character oh, from Fast Times yeah, at Ridgemont yeah, yeah. High, you had stoner characters at that point in time in comedies. Right, but I mean these guys are um, almost—I don't know if I would quite say they're at the level of parodying that. No, there there is an earnestness where I, yeah. I wouldn't call them parody, but they are like they almost are kind of feeling like they are almost blended versions. Yeah, it's, of there's, this a, idea. there's an awareness of that trope. It does. It does characters. have the feeling of like knowing people like this in high school, and then making like a, like a blended version yeah. of them. And yeah, so like I mean, review wise, it did well. It definitely did better than Bogus Journey. But <laughs> so that's gonna be fun to look at all the Bogus Journey kind of uh, reviews yeah. for that. But yeah, but yeah, so I, I love this movie. I know we both love it. And it's, I, I think it's a part of our yeah. I, I also think of. I personally love it more now, just in the time we're at. Yeah. And just how like this movie is very optimistic. It's as yeah. has such great lovable characters that really just want to get better. They want to be better. They 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 it's not like they're trying to cheat on their history exam. Yeah. They're doing what they want to do because they want to stay as a band. They and want they, to be good boys. They, they, they want to be good at what they, they do. They, they truly, they both love each other. And they want to be in a band oh, yeah. together. And the only way they, the only <laughs> way they, they can do that is if they pass this history exam. Yeah. And it's well, like, and we come to find later on in the series, they, they love each other more than 
they love anything else. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> they might love each other more than, than their wives. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Like they're the only two characters. I think I said when we watched the second film, they're the only two characters I could see sleep in the same bed together platonically. <laughs> like they're not gonna like every night. Like, yeah, yeah, they turn to each other and go "ew, gay," and then they just go back to sleep <laughs> like that's like. Uh, it's, is, is IMDb say it's G? <laughs> well, yeah, well, I don't even know if it was... It's, well, PG-13 was already existed at its time. Maybe it is PG? Sure. Because they don't say shit. I don't really think they cuss that much. Well, there's, there's, like, dickweed. Yeah, so that's like, not... They say dick quite a bit. That sounds I, they like... They might say ass, I that, that sounds like the type of, like, words, PG though. PG is on the poster. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I could see, like, people at the MPA being like, hmm. What's it trying to get away yeah. with? We can't constitute this as a 13. Like, we yeah. got to give it away. Well, 13 used to be a little harsher. And oh, now, yeah. now 13 almost, I almost attribute it to, like, Disney single-handedly. But, like, PG-13 now has become a lot more just kind of slightly would, above PG. I would probably argue that it's more horror. PG-13 horror that has done that, I think. To make it... Yeah, yeah to kind of so. to kind of to kind of taint. It makes it harder to not yeah, because, get an R rating. Because in the eighties, PG thirteen was Red Dawn and yeah. Gremlins. Like Gremlins, the scenes that make it PG thirteen that they kept are the scenes where the mom is stabbing Gremlins with a knife, <laughs> putting a Gremlin in the microwave so the Gremlin you watch as its physiology it bursts in the microwave because yeah. radiation. Like and like uh, Last Crusade or like Temple of Doom. Oh, yeah. Like, those are films where it's like, a dude pulls out a fucking heart, and that's like, we're going to give this PG-13. Like, there's, yeah. that's what it used to be. And so it's like, yeah, it could, I, I mean, it could you be Disney, too. can't get away too, with as like, much without yeah. getting an R rating these days. Yeah, like, PG-13, PG-13 horror, I think, is that, to me, but I also I also believe, I agree with Disney. Yeah. Uh, you, just you, just the, the, the explosion of franchise action movies yeah, has yeah, kind yeah. of created that problem yeah. as well. Yeah, but why anyway. isn't why isn't Cap Four rated R? <laughs> but you had you had an you had an angle on Bill and Ted that I had no idea about, and that was um, the, the composer. Was oh the, yeah, well I was just kind of looking through the crew, and David yeah. David Newman composed the score for Bill and Ted's, and he's he's done enough. I mean, he's got quite a film catalog to his name, but a lot more people would know his brother Thomas Newman who yeah. is uh, I think Academy Award nominated I don't know if he's won he should he's definitely nominated he's good. he was yeah. I think nominated for his score of 1917 yeah. earlier this year and also interestingly um, so the, the the Thomas and David are brothers and their cousin is Randy, Randy Newman, Newman. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. a Toy Story from fame from James and, and the Giant Peach. <laughs> That's yes. the film that everyone knows the Randy Newman iconic from. Iconic classic James. Didn't he also do Marriage Story? Didn't yeah, Randy? he did the whole score for Marriage Story. God, that movie! Um, it's it's so weird to have a you got a friend in me, <laughs> Randy it, Newman. It's do the so score weirdly for it. fitting though. Like it's like, yeah, it does. what would I want more than the Toy Story soundtrack for a divorce, a crumbling movie? marriage? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of beautiful. No, yeah, like the final scene of Marriage Story, which we're not going to spoil Marriage Story on a Bill and Ted episode. Sure, right, right. That'll, Go see that that'll, movie though. Go that'll see be Bill yeah, that'll story. be for the Adam Driver Odd Trilogy. We'll try and force <laughs> we'll <laughs> to talk it. about we'll it. Find it. Yeah, but like it ends on such like the the music is not really it's like kind of melancholic, but it's perfect enough and Randy Newman esque that like yeah. it makes me almost want to ball just thinking about yeah. it. Like it's so good. It almost plays on your nostalgia without yeah. really being nostalgic. It's well, just that's Randy a, Newman's sound. That's nostalgic. a good transition point about nostalgia and the crew because the crew itself 
has made some big 90s films. Oh. Okay. Uh, don't even look it up because I got a few on there. So Stephen Herrick actually, his big film before Bill and Ted was Critters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. do you know what he did after that? What? He did Mr. Holland's Opus, which was in the oh, 90s. Wow. He did Mighty Ducks, the original. The Mighty, with, um, what's his name? Yeah, with uh, Emilio Estevez. Em- yeah, Emilio that Estevez. would be a fun odd trilogy, I almost too. said Esposito. Esposito, Emilio <laughs> Esposito. And he did the Glenn Close 101 Dalmatians. He did oh, a lot okay, of yeah. kids, a, a lot of big films he, for kids yeah, in the 90s. He kind of like blew up in the 90s. And then also that, the writers, Chris Matheson, is most known as well, not only just for Bill and Ted, he also helped co-write a Goofy movie in 95. <laughs> That's awesome. And Ed Solomon helped write Men in Black, uh, both Now You See Me films, <laughs> and probably our friend Adam's you know, best film of all time, which is not true, but I, I don't know if he's going to listen to this or not. He helped co-write... The Super Mario Brothers movie in 93. Oh, the legend. <laughs> the legendary Super Mario Brothers oh. movie with Bob Hoskins. But, uh, yeah, so you have, like, a, you have two writers and a director who, like, a... who are big in the 90s. Yeah, and then, like, you get to, and then you get to Bogus Journey, which I don't think the director is really that mm. prolific yeah. per se. But, uh, but yeah. Well, he's uh, ambitious, at least in Bogus Journey. Yeah, I... I <laughs> That's I think that's the that's the end of it. I think that's yeah, I, I, think, I that's think that's where that's we all are. We got. I mean, I guess the best way to say it is Bill and Ted's Actual Adventure is still fantastic. Yeah, it's still thirty one years later. If it's not it's, a part of your your cultural catalog. It should be. Go back and yeah. check it out. And, and if you're if you're looking for something to kind of like lighten up your day, something that'll make you like at least smile by the end of it. This yeah. is like the perfect film for that. Yeah, it's a very earnest. Movie. And especially if you like rock, like there's just some good, like some decent songs yeah. in there too. And just like this, it's if you love the '80s, if you love Keanu, if you just love fun, goofy movies, this like uh, this is this is the perfect one to hit. And it's also the perfect way to end <laughs> this episode. I think, yeah. and start this podcast is with this episode. Yeah. Which, so. yeah, so I think I, I could see on your screen. Yeah. <laughs> talking about the, you so, Yeah, uh, so yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're passive-aggressively highlighting parts of the page. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah that, um, so obviously next episode we're going to move on to the next film in the series, yeah. which so is we'll Bill do and Ted's um, Bogus, Bogus Journey, Journey from 91. 91, and that'll be, well, so, so Bill and Ted 3, Face the Music, comes out next Thursday? It comes out. It comes out the twenty eighth, which will be Friday. Yes. Yeah. So it comes out the twenty eighth. So uh, probably the the plan right now is to release these episodes on Saturdays. Right. So right. when you get Bogus Journeys episode, it'll be a day after Face the Music comes out, mm-hmm. and then about a week into Face the Music's run, which we'll, we'll probably talk about how it's been doing in a week or so. Just sure. kind of curious, yeah. even though in the pandemic it. If it made $500, I would feel like that's... I hope the best for it. But, I really do. But, but at the same time, no one should really go to a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, we are not advocating a return to the... Do we want to go to the movie theater? Yes. Will we go to a movie theater for Tenet? Uh, I plead the fifth. But until then... <laughs> but uh, for the first week of September, uh, we are going... We'll release the Face the Music episode. Okay, and which then, means next... Well, yeah, next Saturday, which would be the 22nd or... No, 29th. Third? Or his twenty seconds upcoming. 
Oh, right, 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 right. 22nd. I'm, I'm yeah. glad everyone's today, listening today, to this process. Today is the 22nd, <laughs> which is our release date for this episode. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. Then the 29th will be our Bogus Journey episode, yeah. and, then, and then the following week. And then when we, do, when we do our Face the Music episode, we will announce what our next trilogy is. Yes. Which we totally know what that is. Oh, we've planned yeah. we've, months ahead. No, we've planned years. We're like <laughs> Bill and Ted outside the police station. We've been like, we can't yeah. do this podcast until we write down our next 15 <laughs> trilogies. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, that's that's about it. If you are still listening, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm Logan Sowash. I'm Andy Carr. And tune in next week for more odd trilogies with Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Thanks, See ya. Guys.